Hello and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. This is the next episode in our interesting time series. As times are still very interesting and uh, not always in a good way, as I'm sure you know. So today we want to tell you a story, dear listener. A story of Pete's journey of inquiry that he went on last night and he was telling me all about over breakfast this morning. as jolly interesting. He was trying to find out if the situation between Israel and Palestine was going to escalate, expand into something bigger and maybe war. So he, uh, he began late at night just to set the scene <laughs> in his room in the tower, voyaging <laughs> into the internet and beyond. So now we'll tell you the story of all the interesting things that he found in this <laughs> and the, the labyrinth that he traversed in order to find out the information he was looking for. So, Pete, where did you start? I started by thinking about Turkey, of all things. And I, I've noticed that uh, American retired military types I'm thinking of like Colonel Wilkerson who I've mentioned before and and some others that I, I kind of looked at I, I just find it very interesting what their take on thing, things is and uh, these guys uh, keep mentioning Turkey now, uh, a long interest in, in the, the t- Turkish politics you know it's just just out the side corner of your eye um, and in fact one of the first topical podcasts we did was was about Turkey at the time when Erdo- Erdogan was first elected and I think we did I did a podcast you know saying oh well this is bad news you know lurch to the right you know it's another country lurching to the right and all the rest of it so I've kind of had me I've had, I've had sort of like one eye on it uh, ever since but uh, since I saw uh, Colonel Wilkerson talking about the possibility of Turkey intervening in the uh, in the the Gaza genocide uh, and ethnic cleansing, uh, my my ears pricked up, you know. And Erdogan certainly has been doing a fair bit of cyber rattling. And uh, one one wonders, you know, to what extent uh, it's for domestic consumption or for European consumption, or whatever it might be. And certainly Colonel, Colonel Wilkerson uh, draws attention to the fact of the, uh, the the size, the sheer size of the Turkish land army, as he calls it. He, he, in Wilkerson's opinion, the Turkish land army is the, the, the most powerful land army in the world, uh, uh, including the, the US army. Now, the US spends more money. How on, big is the land army? It's huge. Now, I found another guy, a guy called, uh, I think he was called Douglas McGregor, and he's some kind of military type. I know nothing about him. Might be an out-and-out fascist for all I know. I don't know anything about the guy. Seems like a, 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 a superficial opinion, um, my superficial appraisal would, would be so, you know, this, this guy's an you know, old-school American conservative, a bit like Larry Wilkerson. Anyway, uh, this... This McGregor guy had got got more information on on the Turkish army than uh, than I'd gleaned from uh, uh, Colonel Wilkerson, and, and he notes uh, that um, 
having worked as a, some kind of NATO person, I suppose, w with the Turkish army, uh, close closely, he, he says that they're amazingly, they're very, very efficient. He described them as ferocious fighters and, and they're very well equipped. They've got Air Force as well with some pretty modern stuff. Because Turkey's, you see, NATO, uh, NATO, they call it like NATO's southeast flank, you know, of course. Uh, it's, very, it's very handy for pointing missiles at Russia. You know, it's in exactly the right spot. And it's been strategically important to the US for forever, all, all of my life, you know. The other thing that McGregor notes about the Turkish army, and I, I, I wasn't really aware of this, it's just the sheer size of it. And they, they operate a reservist system. And uh, it's very efficient according to McGregor. And he said they can mobilise two million men in a week because there's a, there's a huge reserve army. Wow. So that's people who've had military training, who are sitting in reserve. You know, they, they, they go and do jobs. They're bus drivers, taxi drivers. But they can, they can have a telegram from the government or an email saying report to barracks tomorrow morning or next, you know, and they give them a few days to get sorted and they're, and they're off, they get the kit and they go and they're ready. That uh, is pretty huge. Uh, that is huge, and uh, oh, well, Wilkinson says that they flatten the IDF, regardless of the modern weapons, they flatten them because they're battle hardened as well. A lot of them, because they they be fighting in 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 Iraq and Syria. So just to clarify, for years, um, the, the Turkey is at the moment saying that uh, if the. Um, genocide continues and yeah, the Israeli armies in Gaza doing horrible things continuously they are going to send their army into Gaza to well, stop them is that well, possibly the, that, that, well, well of course the, you, see, you see this this is where it gets interesting because you, you don't know you know we know Erd Erdogan has said some pretty blood-curdling things along those lines right um, in public in, in the Turkish parliament or whatever, in, in very, you know, in his official capacity as whatever he is, he's the, pre is he the president now, you know, but he's the boss, he's the big strong man uh, uh, who sits on top of Turkey, which is a country with the most powerful land army in the world and a pretty reasonable navy and air force as well, right? Who's making noises now? Who, who are those noises for? Is it to push? Biden, you know, is it to push push Biden into putting more pressure on Israel, or is it for domestic consumption? Because the Turkish street now the, these demos that have been going off in London, they're beginning like probably up towards a million people, or certainly seven hundred, eight hundred thousand. Huge again at the weekend, and they're going to keep coming. But they're happening all over the world. Our media, our sort of mainstream media, are a little, a little bit. They don't not report it, but they don't allow it the significance, to my mind, which it's due, is that the world is on the march. And Turkey, seeing the the pictures of the of the Turkish marches, they're in, they're enormous. 
Turkish people, are, you know, they're political as well, you know, and they're, they're on the streets. So, so Erdogan's got pressure from his street. You know, his Muslim street. They are fucking, they're upset, as they said, VJ Prashad describes the Arab street. He said, the Arab street is very upset and you don't take that lightly. Mm. The Turkish street is very upset and you don't take it lightly. So, so quite who Erdogan's addressing with this cyber rattling and another matter, you know. So I kind of start digging around and saying, well, what, what exactly is his, is his plan? Of course, we're never going to know until so, somewhere happens because everything's played forward to various audiences. And that's how I'm looking at the utterances, not as that this is the gospel truth, but this is a, a, um, an utterance. It's a performative utterance in the true sense of the word. Uh, in other words, it's an utterance that becomes a state of affairs in the world. It has material impact. It's only a speech act, but it has material impact, you know. And it's like, is, is he nudging his street, or is he nudging Biden, or is he nudging the United Nations? Who's he? Uh, where is his pressure going? Uh, I mean, and the other thing that, because uh, I then start looking into that to try and get a bit of a clearer handle on it. Because bear in mind what I decided to do was just simply to go, was simply to wonder, to do the imaginative phase. Of, of of an imagination and scepticism exercising analysis, you know, allowing free imagination, but allowing very powerful scepticism and questioning and not taking anything at face value, allowing those two forces to bump off each other in quite a playful way and to go it down the rabbit holes because I'm in the imaginative phase, or go wherever it leads, even if it takes me off in all kinds of tangents. And then it suddenly occurred to me, well, I very often document a walk in the hills, I document it, you know. Well, I'm actually, like, documenting the thought that the walk is sort of metabolising through the rhythm of walking, right? Um, and I thought, well, I'm sitting here still in my room, but why not document the this meandering? Because that's what it is, it's a journey over a landscape, a very particularly meandering one, you know. But, but because... And I... And, and I I'm quite interested for people to to see how you can how you can do that, you know, what its pitfalls and what its what its virtues are, you know. And 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 quite what a kind of strange picture you end up with when you stop, and you kind of just have to go weave these elements together now, you know. It's very interesting. So that's what I just, uh, uh, you know, that that is, you know, um, what I call, you know, the story of a journey of inquiry. But this particular one, it just I just lighted on Turkey for the reasons of. Uh, Wilkerson being interested and, and McGregor uh, being interested and throwing up this interesting material. Now, I start kind of like fertling around randomly, YouTube, or, you know, internet in general, see what's next. And I come across this uh, this YouTube channel that look, looks very puckered and bona fide. And it says, Turkey has just left NATO and that they're doing a deal with the Russians to rebuild Gaza and I kind of watched this and it seemed very nicely produced and seemed to know. I thought well that, if that if that's true it's huge why isn't that on the, the news on the BBC in the morning because to my mind it would be monumental if Turkey left NATO like now at this juncture and nobody's mentioned it but these guys are screaming it so I start thinking well well this is probably this is probably just fake news or fantasy or it seems like less than reliable because nobody else is saying it. But of course, sometimes the thing that nobody else is saying is the thing. So, out of making a prize there because I say, well, what, what was produced there, what was 
been beamed at me looked superficially at least to have been you know to look sort of bona fide you, you kind of think on the level of appearances you trust it but I'm finding nobody's concurring so I kind of I thought to myself the thing to do is to look at some Turkish newspapers so I just put I just put into Google so I'm just telling you how I went on this journey I just put like English language Turkish newspapers and there was a few and I just picked one and started looking at what the daily news was you know again this was very very well produced a lot of work in it a lot of different sections including like sport and culture and and it was uh, it was all very 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 slick and professionally done and, and a nice website laid out you know and there's no mention of this NATO stuff but what, what my eyes lighted on <laughs> now this is where I did did go go into the labyrinth you know because I just let myself go where it was going to draw me and my predilection and my, my confirmation bias and my uh, my interest bias just drew me to this news item, which said um, uh, uh, Scottish First Minister rebuked by David Cameron. So this is uh, uh, for talking with Turkish government, right? So I kind of thought, oh, I'm going to follow that, and I went and looked at that, and I realised yet yeah, it's something that I'd heard. I picked it up in the news. Radio 4 has been reporting this. And you see, well, I just went off on this thing. And now you'll think, okay, now you're just a complete non-secretary. This is just a whole other section about a different a different set of conundrums, right? But I'm hoping at the end we'll realise that, that not so. You know, that it is all of a piece, strangely and wonderfully. Yeah. And also tragically, because what we're talking about is very dark shit. Anyway, it turns out this news item in this Turkish newspaper, which I've got no idea whether it's a right-wing paper or left-wing paper or whatever, but it seemed it seemed like a kind of a Turkish stab at a sort of an online guardian or something, you know. So perhaps a liberal newspaper, but I don't know. It was called the DailySaba.com, if anybody's interested. Anyway, the news story, which I say has been in the British press, was that uh, Humza Yusuf who is the elected First Minister of Scotland, in other words, he's the, he's the head of the SNP, after Nicola Sturgeon stepped down from the SNP, this is the guy the SNP elected, and since they have the majority, or they are able to form a majority government in agreement or coalition or whatever it is with the Greens, so in Britain we do have Greens in government as well as in councils and in the Scottish Parliament, and they, 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 you know, they're in, in, in a kind of coalition with the SNP. Uh, and 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 uh, since Humza Yusuf is the the head of the biggest party in 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 the Holyrood Parliament, he is in fact like the, the Scottish First Minister. Uh, anyway, Scottish First Minister, as it happens, it might be told by now, he's Palestinian, and uh, his wife's Palestinian, and uh, certainly at the beginning of the the Gaza outrages. Uh, his mother-in-law, his wife's mother, was stuck in Gaza. She'd gone, she, she, she'd gone to Gaza to visit family when it cracked off and she's stuck in there. Now, whether she's still there, I don't know. I think think I recall that she, she, she got out when there was a first release. But I'm not sure. Don't hold me to that. You'd have to check that up. But obviously, the man's got a personal stake. And, uh, but he goes, he goes to... Turkey in recent weeks and, and has discussions with Erdogan and, and it's known 
it's stated that they discussed they did, did discuss the situation in Palestine you know now I've said this about Erdogan is uh, the other thing I'm getting from the Turkish newspapers and Turkish websites is that the man is busy 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 and what's he busy doing he's busy he's busy forming alliances all around the world you know you know he, he's caucusing left right and center every day particularly with, with mr putin and uh with other other muslim leaders and i, th I think turkey aspires to lead the muslim world I mean, it is in a sense a regional superpower, you know, given that it has the most powerful land army in the world. It's a regional superpower. So, the, the man's busy, he's, he's looking for making, making a mark, and, and they may well, they may well, uh, you know, uh, be cyber rattling and mean it, and, and at some point, Israel may, may well cross a red line in. Gaza and, and Turkey goes goes in one way or the other. Yeah. Now, if that happened, th think globally that Turkey's it's still it's a foreign say it's still in NATO. Where these guys were going on about, not in NATO. I don't know. Still in NATO, and of course NATO is headed up by the by the Amer the Americans. And they are America's ally, but it's an alliance that's very strained because Turkey has been buying weapons from Russia. Right, and that they 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 align with 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 Russia, and it looks like they'll be looking for like aligning with the BRICS countries, right? So you know Brazil, Russia, China, with that 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 new axis of of um, well economic power that's 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 well actively being created in the world. You know, so that we don't live in in an American uni uh, dominated unipolar world, and this is just China and Russia prosecuting their basic interests. Ultimately, as American power wanes, which we're seeing, you know. So, so that's how I got there. I got there because there was this question, and and I thought, oh God, that would be huge if it was true. And it turns out it's probably not quite true. So the point I'm trying to re reach here is, is that, that, that uh, to quote Larry Wilkerson, NATO is an alliance looking for a place to die. It does not have long for this world. That's what he says about NATO. And he also says, Turkey won't be in NATO very long. You know. So even though these guys got it wrong saying that it had already left, Larry Wilkinson, who, who's going to prove right about many of these things, says, well, Turkey will leave NATO, you know, its position's too ambiguous, it backs Russia, it's sending aid to Ukraine, it's pointing in every fucking direction, you know. Yeah. Anyway, that's that point. But then I thought, I'm going to just look a bit more, I'm still going to carry on looking. But out of that, I accidentally came upon this this, this story that suddenly comes right the way back on to the, to, to the, the question of devolution, because the news item, David Cameron, rebukes on, on Zyuzov. Now, what happened was that David Cameron, as you'll recall, until recently persona non grata in the UK, having uh, triggered the disastrous Brexit referendum, which has basically <laughs> buggered the country up for a few decades. Anyway, uh, 
gets called back by Rishi Sunak, who has to reshuffle his cabinet because uh, at the end of the day, he c- couldn't help sacking his home sec- secretary, uh, Suella Braverman. And has a big, big reshuffle in the effort to survive a little bit longer. And brings Cameron in, out of the wilderness. Cameron's not even an MP. So overnight he gets made a Lord. He's now Lord Cameron. This shows you how absolutely corrupt and undemocratic our politics is. And that once he's a lord, he gets made foreign secretary. So he's now foreign secretary. So he's probably, probably the, the second, third most important office of state. You could argue it was the most important office of state in the UK. It's very, very, it's up there. It's in the uh, big office of state. And he gets made that. I mean, the man has had experience as prime minister, not a very good prime minister, but... In fact, a disastrous one, and 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 a bloke, you know, whose uh, 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 whose record isn't completely squeak, squeaky clean, you know. Um, I mean, his nickname is kind of pig fucker, you know. So you can draw you can draw what you like conclusions you like from that, you know. But anyway, he says, but out loud and publicly rebukes the first minister of Scotland. So this this jumped up bloke, not elected by anybody, not even an MP, gets jumped up to to foreign secretary, and sees it as as his place to rebuke the elected first minister of of of, of, of one of the the constituent nations of the of the United Kingdom, Scotland, a nation with its parliament. And he rebukes the leader of it, and it gets in the Turkish newspapers because he happens to be talking, talking about Israel Gaza with cyber rattling Erdogan, you know. It's a man whose mother-in-law, I don't know whether at the time or not, but his mother-in-law was certainly right at the sharp end in Gaza. You know, she was in there while it was being shelled, you know, and, and bombed from the air thousands and thousands of tons of bombs you know so so the, the irony and, and I suppose I'm saying there well what well devolution eh so what, what, what of this devolution now you should recall that the, that the UK Parliament forced the, the, the Scottish Parliament to withdraw an act that it had passed regarding trans you know there's a kind of a self-authentication for trans people to make it just a lot easier for them to alter, get public records altered according to their, I don't know, their 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 um, their, their, de- their their personal gender decisions. You know, Ch- uh, Scotland said, "Well, should make it easy for these people. They can do it up on their own cognizance." Uh, UK t- turns around, you know, far less socially liberal than Scotland, and just and says, "No, you're not having it." So again, I'll say, "What price devolution?" And I'm saying that, of course, in, uh, in on the very day that Mark Drakeford resigns from the Welsh Parliament, you know, where he's been for it's five definitely years. Definitely going to be a sad loss. He was, he was just, mm. he was the best of the best. He was. <laughs> yeah, he's a good, good, good bloke in many ways. Um, yeah. He still supports uh, uh, Labour in Westminster, which I think is a mistake. Well, I think that might but, be uh, one of the reasons he sat down. I don't think he can stomach no. the new Labour anymore, the new, new Labour. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, yeah. he's, he's a bit to the left of, of them, 
but it yeah. was certainly like a, a, a you know a, a man out of that mould of yeah well the new new labor has been basically sacking anyone who <laughs> is um he hasn't his, been his kind of ideals he hasn't been sacked no i know no, he hasn't been sacked. sacked but they've been working their way through anyone who's like vaguely yeah. on the left and trying yeah. to kind of squeeze bit, them out it's a bit harder in wales again because of devolution because he is the welsh labor party he's the head of the welsh labor party and again like like Humza Yusuf. He was the, he, he was the the, the first minister, mm. right? He's the first minister. He's going. I mentioned that in passing anyway. He, he's going. He said he'd serve five years. It's five years. Yeah. And you can tell he's tired. I've been noticing the last few interviews I've seen with him. I thought, God, Mark Drakeford's tired now. He's yeah. worn out. He's sixty-nine. You know, yeah. do, his, his, his wife died as well. Didn't his wife she? died, like, yeah, not last so long ago. So that took a month, toll on just him. Just a couple of months ago. So, so suddenly the whole kind of question of devolution comes in. You know, and we know we know that the uh, we know that the the Westminster Parliament's got it in for our devolved assemblies. They don't like it. It was it was a Tony Blair initiative. Yeah. I do mean, you know, even do you know the, if the new new Labour has it in for de devolution as well? Uh, they'll be less. They'll be less uh, hard on it. I think um, they'll quarrel with the Scottish government if they return another SNP, um, another SNP government, which they may not. I don't know because Nicola Sturgeon really is really. She just carried that by just her, her own elemental force. I would say, yeah. and 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 I think I think this Holmes uh, Yusuf. Uh, I, I might be wrong about him. Um, but he seems like 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 a, a competent and decent politician and a decent man. Um, but he's not as popular as Nicola Sturgeon. But of course, in these elections, anything can happen. But of course, if they do, if they if they if they win, in you know, or, or the, in conjunction with the Greens, they form another parliament. That means there's a majority in the Scottish Parliament of parties. And of members, all of favour independence. So it'd be difficult for, say, a Starmer as an MP to refuse a referendum. Though I think he will. I think he will. He's an authoritarian. I think. He will. I mean, these are all little sides. But what jumps out there is well, what price? You know, what what price? Devolution. I mean, to what extent devolution? Is it how much? Is it just a little bit of cosplay? But how much is it real? So there's a question over it. And of course, that is a question about fragmentation. You know, the fragmentation of the UK into... Just just imagine, it, it's perfectly feasible in 10 years' time, there could be three... There could be a united Ireland, which would be an anti-fragmentary move, would be a centrifugal move, and then but a fragmented United Kingdom with, with Wales, Wales and Scotland as, as independent... Um, but either way, it's it. You can say that the play, the play there, the tension there, is along these lines of fracture. You know, now this thing in in Gaza thing, genocide. Let's give it its proper title. It's a genocide. That's what it is. Uh, Michael Hudson is <laughs> always interesting. And if you don't, you know, especially on on geopolitics from the economic angle. He said, uh, it's not a war, stop calling it a war, this is the world splitting in two, which of course it is, and that, that's our thesis, it's the world splitting in two, as was Ukraine, and as is as is the Gaza uh, 
thingy, uh, Gaza, Israel. Now, <laughs> another connection. You say a, a kind of random and meandering this is, but you see, it gets, it's going to it's heading towards a sort of a completion, you know. And, uh, and it's with that in mind I ask you to note that both the Scottish Parliament and the Welsh Senate have voted for ceasefire have noted you know that they, it is the opinion of this house that whichever whatever their kind of formal ways of putting it you know they both they both come down on the side of ceasefire of course the UK parliament just even the Labour Party t you know wouldn't wouldn't let its members they had to rebel to vote you know pathetic pathetic you know and the people the people are on the streets polls show that in the UK the vast majority of people uh, support Palestine and want it to stop they don't care or know about the geopolitics most people why should they it's complicated and horrible grinding stuff to study why should they but they know they don't want to see babies killed before their eyes that that does not have to happen stop doing that and then then we can figure out the politics, but that has to stop. 60-70% of people in the UK fervently think that. A million of them are prepared every week to go out on the street. It's the same all across Europe. It's the same in the US. You think support for Israel is pretty, is pretty, is pretty strong in the US. I mean, after all, you know, they, it's, it's, you know, it's, the, it's their favourite poodle, you know. But... Nevertheless, public opinion is is in in majority favour of just stopping this hell, you know, and that's it. We'll get around the sixty, seventy percent, the percent mark. These are usually these are huge, huge, huge majorities in populations over an issue like that. You know, you expect a much more tight split. The people in the world, by and large, want this thing to stop fervently. Including in the UK, of course, you see our two our devolved parliaments. That's what they want, and of course they they they, they follow on from Ireland, who is the most militant in its support for Palestine, because they've been on the receiving end of settler colonialism and are still living out its consequences. Hundred years later, you know. So you see how the, the, connections, uh, the connection is coming in, but all I did was follow a kind of a, a random sort of um, synchronicity almost, you know, an I-causal connective principle, you know. Of course, this is a dangerous thing to do if it's not tempered with scepticism, because that's how you end up with the Queen's a lizard <laughs> as well, you see. So... I want you to I want you to bet, juggle all these balls at the same time. Now, of course, all this was driven by this question of well, is this this uh, you know the, the this report saying Turkey's about to le Turkey has left NATO. Turns out as though nobody else is saying anything about it, and at least nominally Turkey's still in NATO. So I think I'm just going to dig around a bit more. I had my little side trip into Wales and Catalonia and Ireland and uh, Scotland and all of these small nations supporting ceasefire. 
And now I'm back with my question. Well, did Turkey leave, did Turkey leave NATO? Well, no, it no, it didn't. Uh, there are obviously some very very tense internal relationships between Turkey and Europe, and Turkey and America, and Turkey and NATO. You know, because he's got this friendship with Russia and all this, and this cyber rattling, and the fact that people know it's got this huge army, and actually they couldn't stop, short of nuking it. You know. Speaking of nukes, we, this morning you were telling me something about uh, Pakistan saying it would give Turkey some nuclear weapons yeah. if they they wanted some yeah. in some yeah. situation. Yeah, I think I saw this on the website that said Turkey was leaving NATO, which turns out. So a big, big question mark. No, over there's that a question then. mark over it, but uh, but is, Israel ostensibly has a nuclear has nuclear weapons, but it's never ever admitted it. It's generally accepted by world governments and people in the know that it does have nuclear warheads and that the French facilitated it It's sort of way back in the 60s, I think. And it's, it's, probably, it's almost certainly true that, that Israel's got a nuclear capability and that in the midst of all this cyber rattling from Erdogan, that... Israel has dropped a hint. Well, if you try that, you'll get you'll get the big one. You'll get the nuke. And that, in response to that, Turkey says we're not frightened of the nuke, and that that alludes to the fact that their brother Muslims in in Pakistan, who do have nukes, would give them nuclear cover at least. Now, I wouldn't vouch for that story, but at the same time, behind the scenes, I wouldn't be surprised if there's an element in it. But the point is, we don't know. Fog or war, we don't know. But it's a plausible equation, so, you know... I, I, put it in the mix. I, I think you have to put it in the mix, because my gut feeling is that this situation is, is very, very da dangerous, you know. you know. And I suppose my big question behind the Turkey night, I think, is, well, is this war going to escalate? Of course, we'll see. Only time will tell. And a fool would predict. My gut feeling is that... Is, is, I'm sort of pessimistic, you know, I think it's, it's over a 50% chance it could escalate. And in fact, it already is escalating in, in Lebanon, South Lebanon. And, and Hezbollah is, uh, they've been exchanging fire with Hezbollah ever since this all kicked off, you know, and it's getting slow, slowly more intense, just but definitely more intense. And I did actually see on YouTube this morning an, uh, an ex-Israeli general, I think, or Somebody very, very high up, whose name escapes me, but somebody had been the head of the Israeli Navy and was a something, something, and an advisor to somebody, some big knob in the Israeli fucking establishment, saying, yes, we, 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 we're just trying to settle on a date when to start the war with Lebanon. <laughs> you know. But as I say, there is fire being exchanged and civilians are getting killed. And uh, uh, people don't realise this, that, you know, that, uh, many, many thousands of Israeli, Israeli um, villages, towns, whatever, up in the north there, have been evacuated. You know, the, t the whole towns, whole villages have been evacuated. Many, many, many tens of thousands of, of Israelis have been just moved further south because it's hotting up there. We don't get that in our, in our news. You, be, you go, you go to, you go... To, to sort of sources closer to, to the the geographical spot and, and and it's happening you know 
and it's escalating. But Hezbollah is, is by now, extremely well equipped, battle-hardened. They fought in Iraq, Syria, all the rest of it. They're hard. They won't be a pushover. In fact, they can inf and also they've been stockpiling missiles, fairly, you know, smart, smart missiles. And they, they can certainly do a lot of damage. They may not prevail. Larry Wilkinson seems to think that they could prevail. But, uh, but certainly, whatever happens, they would do an enormous amount of damage. They are much more powerful than they've ever been. The case hardened. There's, there's thousands of them, tens of thousands of them, soldiers, fighters, well, well equipped. That's grumbling on. And it's accelerating. And there'll come a point where it's kind of a bit irreversible, you know. So that's in the equation on this grumbling towards war thing. Also, in this context, Israel is getting fewer and fewer friends. So last week at the United Nations, pretty well as this, all this stuff's unfolding and I'm doing my little inquiry here, the United Nations uh, um, do have a Security Council vote on whether to call for an immediate ceasefire. Now, the Security Council consists of the, like the five permanent members all of whom have a veto on any motion and then there's another ten who are rotated from the rest of the world's countries now the secretary general in an unusual move uh, but whichever is within his legal powers uh, puts the motion to the security council and requires them to vote on it that an immediate ceasefire uh, uh, and release of hostages needs to be passed by the Security Council and the Security Council resolution is mandatory in international law it becomes the law the parties who are addressed by the Security Council have to obey it or be in breach of international law anyway the, the outcome of that vote was that everybody voted for the ceasefire but the USA vetoed it and the United Kingdom abstained. Right? Shameful. Yeah. So, a little bit later on, a few days later, the, 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 the entire General Assembly, that's all the countries that send a, an ambassador to the United Nations, that's called the General Assembly, they had a vote. And they passed by a majority, a large majority, a call for a ceasefire and in fact that was 130 plus countries out of the 192 member countries so it's a huge majority but of course that's not binding but it does show that the world's smaller countries are not behind Israel you know who is it that's really behind them well the US for reasons we've explained over and over again but also the UK as the US's poodle you know but ne nevertheless, they've got to be careful. The UK have got to be careful of public opinion in the UK. So they're going to back off a little bit. They don't vote for the ceasefire, but they abstain. Cowardly, a cowardly abstention. So I suppose my, my overall conclusion from all of that was that, well, yes, I am right. I am right. The world is, the world's fragmenting. It's, it's shattering apart on all levels. You know, and we we uh, uh, we we say, and I'll repeat it endlessly, that the 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 kind of forces behind that shattering are all kind of 
material uh, forces, even though some of them are like philosophical or quasi-rational or so on. Uh, nevertheless, this isn't some kind of magical thing that's happening. It's some. It's something that we we can explain and, and, and which has mechanisms and processes which we can we we can we we can describe, untangle, and understand. But and but the big the big takeaway uh, the other the other big takeaway is that the people of the world want this thing to stop. They want it to stop. But the governments of the world's richest countries do not, or or or, or are only now begrudgingly starting to put pressure on Israel to stop this mass slaughter. So we have this situation in which it's starkly revealed and horrendously obvious and right in your face that our governments are diametrically against us, even to the point of, in say in the case of France, trying to outlaw demonstrations of solidarity with the Palestinian people, which of course the French people ignore totally and correctly. And similar moves in, 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 in the UK to criminalise protest and so forth. But by now we should know, these people, these people in Whitehall are not our friends, these people in Washington are not our friends, these people in the Palace d'Elysée or whatever it is, are not our friends. And that the people of the world, actually, and all power to them, and all credit to them, do not like fucking mindless slaughter of children. Well, all I can say is I hope that the, uh, the people, the citizens of the world, the majority of them who want the genocide to stop and don't want to live in a world where that kind of thing happens is uh, they hope they win and I think they will personally yes we will <laughs> it will prevail this is definitely a world changing moment and I don't think uh, I don't think Israel's going to have the uh, definitely having the shine taken off it and it's never coming back I don't think after this yeah. Anyway, folks, thanks for being here in our yoga room with us today, listening to this uh, labyrinthine talk. And I hope you enjoyed it and found it interesting. And we'll speak to you again soon.